Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Seal of Approval. Hello there, and welcome back to Seal of Approval, the podcast bringing you weekly judgments on the latest movie news and reviews. I'm Callum, your host, and today I'm joined by my two guests, Alex and Dan. Hello. Good morning, afternoon, or whatever it is, wherever you are. (laughs) Uh, Yes, uh, Dan joining us from the UK, currently surviving the, what is it, third or fourth wave now? (laughs) Currently, currently surviving. He won't be later, but right now... He is surviving it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so at the moment, I'm fine. At the moment. I, I, I do appreciate that, though, Callum. It isn't... Just, just wait a little bit longer. <laughs> There's plenty more time left in these in the yeah. old COVID bones. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, well, well, Dan, to introduce yourself, do you want to tell us one of your top 25 movies of all time? Oh, yes. I mean, obviously, I know this is a feature on your, uh, on your podcast, so I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, now... I do have one question here, so sorry to jump in with a question straight away. Are we talking favorite or best? Oh, I think it's favorite. Yes, it's more favorite. Uh, we're, we're not doing any objective reviews today, just <laughs> your subjective thoughts. Okay, so in terms of favorite, uh, I'm going to go in with one of my personal big guns, and it's Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course. Oh, I love it. Like, premier, top shelf, sports uh, inspirational sports movie. It's just, uh, and you know, if you want someone to lead your sports movie, you want a heavyweight. And so Denzel Washington's the man. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's probably the film I've seen the most number of times. I, I, I might even be broaching triple figures with it, to be Ooh. honest. Oh, wow. It is, it's just, and I can quote pretty much every line in it. I love it. I'm sure that will come in handy someday. <laughs> uh, maybe when I meet Denzel. Uh, same goes for you, Alec. Do you want to give us another of your favourite films? Uh, unlike Dan, I haven't been thinking about this all week, and so <laughs> I, I have, I do have something I thought of just now, though, because if we're thinking about best or favourite, this movie is by no means one of the best movies, but it's like a guilty pleasure kind of movie. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh well, wow. So. I saw I saw the comic book available. I'm like, what the heck is that? Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And then I saw that there was a movie for it. I'm like, that must be terrible. I watched it <laughs> and I thought, this is awesome. And then I watched it again with like a family member and then another one. So like for me, I you can tell I like a movie by how many times I watch it after watching it the first time. Like how many rewatches. Yeah. And I just had to show everyone because I thought it was I thought it was really good. I actually really like period pieces and you know Pride and Prejudice. Uh, I'm sure is a very popular period piece, but it's so boring. Um, regardless <laughs> of who you are, it is very boring. Even if you love period pieces and dramas and stuff, it's like, yeah, b- boring. Um, but then Pride and Prejudice with zombies is the exact same plot, but the really pointless protagonists who just walk around and have lots of money are also like ninjas and kill zombies. So, you know, it made them a bit more redeemable. So that is my answer for today. Well, wow. what, what a way to introduce this episode. Yep. Can, I, can I just say, uh, there's a couple of things there that you said, Alex, that I really appreciate. First of all, that you like period dramas, because I feel like there's a thing, especially with guys, 
where it feels you can't like period dramas. Oh, if I like something, I like it. It's yeah. Yeah, exactly. And actually there's 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 so much quality in period dramas. That being said, six or however many million hours of Pride and Prejudice, the BBC version. Oh, it's just it's too it's too much. I can't I can't watch it again and again. I've not seen Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and, and honestly the the novel sounded amazing and it didn't get very good reviews when it came out so on your recommendation i'm definitely going to try it yeah ah it's just fun it's just like it's exactly like pride and prejudice yeah but with zombies like it's exactly what it sounds like i used to i heard didn't they do a sequel that was tied they did uh, sense and sensibility and sea monsters yeah there was a wave of them it's the same the same guy that wrote though both of those books the novels the actual novels and he wrote the screenplay at least for pride and prejudice and zombies uh and and it was there was there was this kind of genre hopping thing that was going around about 10 15 years ago yeah. abraham lincoln vampire hunter was a graphic novel yeah. first and then that was a relatively poor movie um mm. but it's, and i just never got around to watching it because people didn't really give it much of a chance. I mean, I'm currently doing a Shakespeare in space, so I, I quite love yeah. that kind of stuff, you know. Wow, nice. Yes, no, we're, we're very excited for that. Mm. Wasn't Lily, Lily James in that as well? She was, she was. Um, and I have to say, the guy who plays Mr. Darcy was pretty great. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, um, now that we've let everyone judge our taste, <laughs> yeah. let's judge move on. To the all-important points, and we start, as usual, with round one. Movie news highlights of the week. In this round, I offer up clues to each of my guests, and they gain a point if they correctly guess which movie news item it refers to. We'll give Dan a break, seeing as he's new to the show, so we'll start with Alex. Sure. So, which actor shot straight to the top this weekend? Ooh. Shot straight to the top. Oh, oh these dear. puns, Callum. The puns. <laughs> You're welcome. Officially a dad. Actor, not actress. And just remind you, I do have a second clue for each of these. Oh, However, I'd love, the... I'd love a second clue. That's a tough okay. clue, guys. And then after after this, then then you'll have to pass it over to Dan, who sounds sure. like he knows what it is. So, clue number two: Who has taken? over Wonder Woman 1984 at the box office. Uh, this is Liam Neeson in uh, Marksman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're quite right. Taken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't get the first one just to hear the second clue. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Liam Neeson's The Marksman wins the box office this weekend with 3.2 million dethroning Wonder Woman 1984. I didn't even know it had come out yet. Mm, great. Just dropped. Uh, Liam Neeson initially announced he would retire from action movies after non-stop in 2014, but uh, has now said that this should be his last year, yeah, as he will be turning 69. That's not going to stop him. To be fair, the dude's in great shape for a 69-year-old. I mean, if you can, like, keep making that money, man. Yeah, apparently he still has a few more in the pipeline that should happen before it retiring. Like- it sounds like he's not saying like he's saying I'm re- retiring from action movies as an attempt to do different movies. Like, please stop casting me as action heroes, but cast me as dramatic protagonists because I still I can't get an Oscar if I'm just doing action films. <laughs> yes, 
I mean, he's currently in Aussie right now, over in your neck of the woods, Alex. Oh, yeah, he's what's he doing over here? Shooting another action flick called Blacklight. So, hold on, hold on. Um, Blacklight? Did you say Blacklight? Yes. So he did a movie about, he did one called The Grey or something, didn't he? Yes, oh, The Grey was great. Wolf Puncher. Okay, yeah. I'm just trying to think if he's done something about the white or something. I don't know. Is he has <laughs> a theme here? Is it is it part of a trilogy? It's a, a, a merging, a merging of these uh, of two franchises. Yeah. Would you be down for a sequel of the Grey, Dan? <laughs> I, I well, mm, I don't know. I think that that movie was un, unfairly represented when it came out. I think he doesn't punch any wolves. So spoiler alert: Wolf Puncher as it's called, doesn't punch any wolves until, well, you never see him punch him anyway. I think it was really unfairly marketed in that way. And it's actually a much smarter film than people think it is because they went in expecting something off the back of Taken and everything. And it just, and it didn't quite deliver what they were expecting. So now he's gone back to just doing the the, the kind of the standard, the bog standard row action movies. Um, some of which are okay, actually, but. Yeah. I, I think the Grey's great, actually. Um, I, I agree. It's well written. Joe Carnahan directed um, The Great, and he's great, and it's a shame that he doesn't do more, to be honest, as a director. So he also directed um, Smoke and Aces, which I really, really, really liked. Oh, I like Smoke and Aces. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. And, and he directed Narc as well. Do you know what I liked about Smoke and Aces? That Ben Affleck was in it for about five minutes and then got killed yes. by Chris Pine. And then Chris yeah. Pine like used... like played with his jaw as if he was apologizing and like talking to dead Ben Affleck. That was a great moment. Yeah, it was. And and Chris Pine and Ben Affleck both kind of playing really dirty characters, like really against yeah. type. And that was Probably. that was cool as well. So many different actors playing yes, just ridiculous time. roles. Like um like Jason Bateman in like women's lingerie as like a weird creepy Yeah. <laughs> in yeah, it's it's literally it's literally mad. It's bonkers. And and finally, the only one who wasn't in a bonkers role was Ryan Reynolds, who's normally bonkers. Yeah, he had to be the straight man of the of the piece, really, didn't he? Which is, which is pretty funny, actually. Yeah, because he's not actually funny at all. But anyway, enough of my <laughs> hatred of Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> it's gonna be a reoccurring theme on the show. Yeah. The problem sometimes when you get to actors of a certain age is you can tell when their heart is in it and then when their heart's not in the performance. Harrison Ford. <laughs> He's been like that his whole career, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you could say you're De Niro or Pacino, any of these older actors, sometimes because they're so good, when they're on, they're really on. And when they're not, you can tell. And for most actors, they'll have to really push themselves to get to a point that, you know, a Liam Neeson could do in his sleep. But unfortunately, because we know what he can do, sometimes some of these movies, you're like, oh, come on, just pick up your feet a little bit. Do something a bit more. You're phoning it in. Yeah. You know, you know, man, man's got to make bread. So I don't I don't blame them necessarily. But yeah, I like him. And I, to be, I, I thought Nonstop was, was pretty good. Unknown was another one that I actually really liked of his recent action ones. Unknown is actually probably one of my favorite Liam Neeson films. Yeah. That's not the one where he has memory loss or something? Yes, that is the one. Yeah, that's the one. And he's, yeah, okay. I think I did say that one. Do you think that Liam Neeson is too old for these kind of roles? And oh. should he have quit long before now, or is, is he fair no, game? No, I, I, think... I just want to point out he is as old as my granddad. 
So, <laughs> oh. yeah, but like, there's like, I mean, just think of some of those performers who are also really old, still doing action movies, and or still doing movies. Like, you can't say anyone's too old to do movies or anything like that. But action movies, I don't know. It's a tough one. The the question is like, how often can you suspend your disbelief that obviously he's playing different characters, but it's like, are they that different? A lot of the time, and somebody's like, "I don't know what, what, um, yeah. what this one's going to be like." This, um, what is it, uh, Nutsman, Nutsman, yeah. I don't know what it's like, but I just keep thinking, like, so long as they're different enough that it doesn't get tired, I think it's fine. I think that's the main issue. Is like, if you have one person who keeps doing action movies, think of um Tom Cruise, right? Tom Cruise is also, mm. I think he's like sixty now, potentially. I think he's sixty. Tom Cruise is fifty-eight. So what's mad about that? So first of all, we're talking about Liam Neeson potentially being too old to do action movies still. Tom Cruise is only 10 years younger than him. It's not like, you know, he's 20 years on him. Like that's only 10 years different. So are we going to be saying that about, about Tom Cruise in 10 years? And, you know, granted, Tom Cruise's stunts and his his particular style of action is is more physical than what we see from a lot of Liam Neeson movies. So he's done lots and lots of action films, but sometimes they can get a bit similar because he looks the same, he's acting the same, he's doing action stuff. And the plots, you know, while different, has similar elements. I think that's the main issue is having a action actor with enough diversity that they can get away with just doing action films because action films can get a little bit just the same. Yeah, if it feels a bit like a copy and paste character. Yeah. It's just, it's just drag and drop. Yeah, that's that's kind of my main issue. I think that if, if they can make a good enough film with a more, di- like a different character, then yeah, you can do it when you're 90. If you can, you know, why not? I think Alex is, is spot on. I think it just depends on the movie. I think the issue with Liam Neeson, he's done so many of them recently, is that you do feel a bit of a, a drag and drop. And it's, I don't think it's a huge problem if you get to an age, as long as you play up to it, the suspension of disbelief that you mentioned, that's that's the whole point, really. When you get somebody like Clint Eastwood for years, uh, made a living off of being an, an old action hero. But if you look at something like Unforgiven, the whole point is he was an old action hero. If you're trying to play him off as being 30 years old, you, yeah. it's, you're not going to get away with it. But, or Gran Torino, which isn't really an action film, but it has elements to it where it's exactly. like clever they're playing off the fact that he's old and you know and really well written and acted like that's exactly if if the writing leans into the fact that the, the the actor is playing portraying that character in a certain way it's fine as soon as and to be honest my only problem with unknown was liam neeson was was put opposite um the actress from national treasure i forget her name oh 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 um Diane kruger yes yeah. Um, See, that's that's another issue entirely, it, it where is, you have yeah. men who can play old old men. Like I, the biggest example is this new, the new Hugh Grant series. If you've seen Hugh Grant's got a new series with um, Nicole Kidman. Oh yes, yes, I did. Yeah. And if you look at the posters, at least, or, or even footage from it, Hugh Grant is quite old now, and he they play him into it. Say, so look at him; he's lined. He still looks great, but he is, you know, he's old. Whereas he's Nicole, Kidman, Nicole Kidman is airbrushed the yeah. entire time to make sure you can't see a single. She looks like porcelain, even though she's 
like only a little bit younger than Hugh Grant, and it would make sense if they made her look like she actually looks because they would look like husband and wife. But they make her look or try to make her look 20 years younger. So it, their relationship, while that's not the case in the show, like makes it feel as if like he's a cradle snatcher. But like that's, I think that's more of a Hollywood's issue with being okay with really old men having really, really young wives as protagonists. Like that's really common too. And, and the great irony of that is finally Hugh Grant is being put opposite a woman of a similar age to him. He was in um, that film with Meryl Streep. They obviously have slightly different ages, but even then he had a mistress who was younger than him. But it's it, the irony that finally we've got this this chance to have uh, an a, an older actor who, you know, whether you like him or not, is one of the A-lister actors um, opposite a, an actress who is quite clearly a very similar age to him but they still find the need to try and age her down. So I think yeah. I, I'm happy if, if I see a, if I see a Liam Neeson movie and he's going to play uh, a, an unforgiven style uh, Western where he's older and he's obviously crotchety and angry. And to be honest, did you see walk among the tombstones? No, uh, yes. I thought, yes, I, did. I thought that was a, I thought it was a pretty decent stab at trying something different. It's quite low budget. Um, I think it was a writer director's like a first time feature. But I quite I appreciated it for trying to do something where it put him in in a bit more of a position as this older retired cop who you know had clearly had issues rather than saying this is obviously someone at his prime at his peak because that's that's the problem when they try and pass somebody off as being at their prime. So you know it, the guy is obviously in great shape if he can keep making them as long as he likes as long as the the writing doesn't portray him as trying to be some young stud. I think yeah, is yeah. the the crux. And can I just also say that that show with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman is called The Undoing, and I've just I've just looked up a picture here, and Nicole Kidman actually looks like an alien. Like she looks so airbrushed, but they're actually only two years apart in age. Well, that is a Hollywood thing, though. I know when they uh, when they were doing Mortal Engines, obviously it's a post apocalyptic world. Yeah. Uh, and so all the characters had dirt on. The makeup artists obviously spent a lot of time putting dirt on. And then um, some of the higher-ups made the decision to go through and spend lots of money VFX airbrushing all of the Jeez. characters. And that's why they look a bit weird in the film, because they all are quite clean, mm. uh, which doesn't fit into the environment. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll move on uh, Move on now. Uh, I just want to leave you with a quote by Liam Neeson about shooting action films. He says, I love them. I love beating up guys half my age. I've just finished one in Australia and I had a fight scene with a lovely sweet actor and halfway through the fight I looked up, I was breathless and it didn't cost him a cent. And I said, Taylor, what age are you? And he said, 25. And I said, that's the age of my eldest son. <laughs> okay, moving on. Now I have a clue for Dan. Right, bring it on, Callum. Bring it on. So Dan, your first clue. Yes. Who's being put in a cage with animatronic animals? Oh, who's been put in a cage with oh, animatronic? Oh, 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 oh. I got. Sounds mm. like Alex says as well. Good clue. Good clue. Oh, Alex has got it, has he? Oh dear. Go for it. Send me the second clue. I'm not going to let him have the pleasure. <laughs> Which actor is taking a trip to Wonderland in a new trailer? Oh, ah, I read this. I've forgotten. Oh, hand it over to Alex. Do you want to tell us? Alex, tell me. I do. Oh, great pleasure. Um, 
Nicolas Cage. Fun clue. Yeah, Nicolas Cage in a that new animatronic it. horror action film. Nick Cage fighting animatronic demon things or whatever. Is it called Willy's Wonderland or Willy in Wonderland or something like that? Something yes, like Willy's that, yeah. Wonderland. Oh, How can I forget that? Nicolas Cage, another man that seems to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Yeah. Yes. At 100%. Yeah, this is a, a new trailer drop for Nicolas Cage's movie uh, where he is stranded in a remote town and agrees to work as a janitor in exchange for his car being fixed. Animal animatronics come to life and try to kill him. <laughs> uh, so uh, have, you, have you seen the trailer, either of you? Yeah, I've, I've watched I've it without, it. yeah. I watched it without sound, so I didn't know what was happening, but I just was watching things happen. I'm like, oh, okay then. Yeah, cool. Fair enough. I mean, it's very self-aware from what I can see in the trailer. I feel like everything he does in the last, like, 10 years is in the same vein. Like, I don't know. He's got another one coming out that's based around someone trying to capture him or something. Like, but his real life. Yes, yeah, where he plays himself. Basically plays himself being chased. Sounds like Last Action Hero or being John Malkovich or something like that. It it is something like that. It's called, um, it's got a really weird name. The unbearable weight of massive talent. (laughs) Are you being serious right now? Yes. So let me read the plot. I don't don't think I can. uh, This is only a snippet of the plot. A cash-strapped Nicolas Cage, so playing himself, agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire superfan's birthday, but it's really an informant for the CIA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie. So, I mean... Make of that what you will, but it's going to be mental. And I'm here for it. I was going to say, which leads me to my next uh, question. Do you like Nicolas Cage? And what kind of Nicolas Cage do you like? Is it the crazier the better for you? I like them all myself, but I know it. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. (laughs) So he does this this thing with, with his movies. You know, people often talk about this a one for you, one for me style situation that some actors do. They'll do an indie, which is for them that kind of flexes their, uh, their, their more, uh, their more actorly muscles. And then they'll do a, a tent pole or, you know, they'll play a bad guy in a Marvel movie and it's basically just for the money and they'll kind of alternate back and forwards. Nicholas Cage does that, but they're all for him. So there's no one for me, one for you. It's more like one for me, which is a terrible B movie action movie. And then one for me again, but this time it's an absolutely insane, bonkers action, horror, comedy, whatever. And he just alternates between the two. So half his movies in the last 10 years have been pretty forgettable B-movie action movies and then some insane, unforgettable horror, comedy, action movies. So you've got things like um, Mandy, if either of you saw Mandy. Yeah. Um, even... <laughs> Mum and Dad, that was that was mental as well. Uh, there's another one that he did, Color Out of Space. That was it. I, oh, yeah. it. I do want to see seen, that. I've heard is is both terrible and incredible at the same time. I feel like that describes him entirely: terrible and <laughs> incredible. Like <laughs> he, he's yeah. a complete oxymoron. Like how is he so good and then so bad? And how does he do movies that are so good and so bad? But also, how has he been doing it as long as he has? Right. I mean, has I don't know if either of you have watched the TV show Community, but I, I love Community. To be honest, I love TV shows in general. And there's an episode where Abed has to argue 
whether Nicolas Cage is good or bad. And it, it, it essentially turns him insane. Like he has a mental breakdown trying to work it out. And and he ends up crawling on the desk. I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. It's it's crazy. But yeah. So my question for you two is: Nicolas Cage underrated or overrated? Alex, I feel like he's very rarely rated. He doesn't get like at least today. I mean, he's been around for a very long time, and he, that entire time he has been doing the same thing like the same when i say the same thing it's everything and madness you know like but he's been in that state for like 40 years i think or maybe more like i think i would describe him as the weird uncle of hollywood you know that turns up and you kind of ignore him you're like oh yeah that's nick over there he's doing his he certainly hasn't been in the limelight properly since really i would say ghost rider you know, around that time when he's doing things like that and National Treasure, and since then, yeah, he's been doing just a weird mix of stuff, and people just kind of go, "Oh, look, Nicholas Cage doing something crazy again." Before that, you you have things like uh, Face Off, and like <laughs> yeah. it's his early nineties and or even eighties, he's still as wacky as anything. If you've ever watched on YouTube, Nicholas oh, yeah. Cage loses his basically. It just takes his most insane moments from every film and puts it to Requiem for a Dream, mm-hmm. and it's it's amazing. It's epic. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, actually, Alex. And I'm going to steal that phrase: "Is he overrated or underrated?" I think he's rarely rated. That's what you said. That's 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 amazing. Yeah, when you, when you think about it, he he literally did Raising Arizona, for which he won an Academy Award. Yeah. Yeah. Then the following the following year, he did what I consider the the Nicolas Cage Trinity of The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. So he went from this character actor, you know, playing with the Coens and then doing Raising Arizona and then all of a sudden he's this kind of action hero doing these crazy Mm. action movies and he just you know he just oscillates between the two really and 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 you're right people don't give him they rarely give him attention anymore and I think that's kind of the way he likes it I had, a, I had a friend when I used to work at um, a popular uh, CD and DVD emporium in the UK, uh, and he moved to, to the to a local one in Bath down south uh, in the in the UK. Nicholas Cage has got a house down there, and he um he he went into this shop once and he served him, and he said he was just the nicest, funniest, slightly weirdest guy ever. But he was just he was an absolute delight. He just you know totally walking around this huge long black trench coat just looking at DVDs and CDs. And he, just, he, he picked up a couple, bought a few, happy to have a little chat. And, uh, and then off he went kind of into the darkness as he, as, he, as he tends to do. I mean, the real question is, which movies did he pick up? Oh, I did ask him, but to be fair, this was like a decade ago. So, you know, my, my memory is not that great anymore. That would be a fun question to answer. Uh, it'd be great if his, his own movie. Or like some Disney cartoon or something, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he. Yeah, I'm sure he picked up some the like studio thing or face off, either one. Yeah, yeah I don't Nicholas Cage is the kind of guy who watches his own movies. I don't know. I think he does. A lot of actors say that they don't watch their own stuff because they get embarrassed. Yeah, but I think that Nicholas Cage is one of the guys that watches it and, and probably and claims that he watches it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he does. You know what movie I thought like it really gave me a resurgence of like wanting to follow his career again which was uh, it was kick ass when oh, i saw yes. that at the movies oh, yeah. 
I was like, he is so good. Like, he's so funny and quirky and epic in that movie. I don't know. It it was a pretty intense film. I remember watching it. I hadn't watched a lot of intense movies until I'd seen that when I was young. Just his his mannerisms and stuff in a superhero film and then it being as gory as it ended up being. I just thought, this guy is really, really great at what he does. Yeah, it was a, it was a real surprise of a movie and and a bit of a yeah. return, a bit of a return to form for him. And it, he obviously mm. was once touted and and tested and and almost I think he was cast to play Superman, which yeah. would have been strange, definitely. But it was at, Tim Burton's Superman, right? Yeah, well, he probably would have been forced to do it like a very straight kind of thing. And I feel like Kickass was his. Yeah, like you say, a resurgence is where he decided to do something a bit quirky again. And I remember watching that going, Nicolas Cage isn't quirky. Nicolas Cage doesn't do like experimental weird stuff because, you know, I'd known him from those three action movies, Con Air, Face Off, and um, uh, what was that? The Rock, as well as National Treasures when I was young. I'm like, that's how I know him. He's an action hero. I'm like, this is a bit different. And then I got interested in his career. I'm like, no, no, no. This is way more like what he's actually like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. It was in Kick-Ass. It was almost like a, 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 and I know this is kind of weird because this is the whole point of this character almost, but he was almost like a less angry Batman, exactly. which was kind of more interesting actually. Because I mean, at this point, we all know that Batman is is angry and all the trailers for the Batman. Well, maybe maybe really not because he was pretty angry. I think he was less angsty. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a good. That's probably a good distinction. Yeah. Less angst. He was less brooding and more just going around killing people and like laughing about it with his daughter. Um. But he was. Yeah. He was furious, but also less. I'm just really angry about this. You know. Like yeah. Less. Less showy and broody about it. Well, I guess the the extra layer that he had on him that Batman doesn't have on him is that he had a daughter. You yeah. know, and he clearly had a, a life of sorts. And even though he's got this really twisted relationship with her. And I mean twisted mm. in the way that he essentially is teaching her to be a, a, a murderous yeah. psychopath at yeah. 11, 13 years yeah. old. But that that kind of mutes him down a little bit. It gives him a bit of a direction. I'd, I'd be interested to see a Batman movie that explored that, to be honest. And and I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind seeing a Nicolas Cage in it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I I, lo- I love it. I love him. Here's a question. Is Nicolas Cage touted to be in anything in the DCEU or MCU? No. No? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. No, not even rumoured. Well, he was Ghost Rider. Yeah, but, like, I mean, when they started to actually make an extended universe. Yeah, like, the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, something probably. No, but he is, he is going to be, I just remembered, he is going to be Joe Exotic in a, in a, in a Tiger King. <laughs> is he? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> which i'm so down for <laughs> yeah okay well uh moving on I'll, I'll open this next clue up to either of you so the first person to jump in with the right answer gets the point Ooh. So it goes who is never giving up or surrendering on the idea of a sequel oh, oh. never give up never surrender all I could think of is Rick Astley. Never, never give up, never surrender. Up. What is that? Never gonna let you down. Never give up. Never I surrender. Are uh, you going to kick yourself? That's not from Braveheart, is it? 
<laughs> no, you're gonna kick yourself even more. <laughs> oh no! Uh, have you got another clue, Callum? I, I don't know about oh, Alex. Another clue. clue. Who swears by Grathar's hammer that another movie should happen? Oh, oh, Galaxy Quest. Yeah, Tim Allen. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. Spot on. Never give up. <laughs> Never surrender. How can they do that without Alan? Uh, without um. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Alan Rickman. How can they do that without Alan Rickman? Yes. Well, well, this is the news that Tim Allen says the Galaxy Two Quest script was amazing, is amazing, and could still work if they just swapped out Alan Rickman's character for another one of the crew. So, uh, yes, uh, Amazon did at one stage start developing a Galaxy Quest TV series, but that ended up getting scrapped. This is the second week in a row that you've had a the second week in a row you've had a Tim Allen uh, news. <laughs> I know, yeah, maybe that's going to be the, the running theme as well, is hating on Ryan Reynolds and talking about Tim Allen's Tim Allen, career. come on, Tim Allen, bring it how back. Underrated, how, how underrated Tim Allen is. <laughs> should, should Tim Allen be doing more action movies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so with Nicolas Cage. Um, <laughs> make it happen. Uh, so uh, is, it, is a sequel a good idea, or is it lightning in a bottle? I, I really liked Galaxy Quest. I thought it was so funny. I don't know. But, like, then again, that's the real question that I always ask is, like, is any sequel really necessary most of the time? Like, like just mm. because it was good doesn't mean we need another one. Like, other things can be good too. Like, a lot of, a lot of really good movies have terrible sequels, and I feel like that's one that really could be. It, it would probably flop. Because he is not in the prime of his career like he was at the time, and I feel like it just wouldn't sell. The original wasn't actually received well. It opened wasn't it? at the box office. But it was still during the prime of his career, and so yeah. now probably be even more so, like just a straight-to-DVD kind of release kind of thing, you know? It, not that they do coming, that anymore, straight-to-streaming. He was coming off the back of some uh, of some big TV shows. He was quite a big comedy hit at the time, wasn't yeah. he? And he probably done he done like the Christmas movies. Didn't he play Santa in a bunch of movies and like the, the Christmas? I think there might have been just like... after, but it's around the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be that guy. I I I didn't really like Galaxy Quest. I thought oh. it was okay. <laughs> I thought it was okay. I mean, I I think it was a it was a while after it was released that I watched it and. I don't know. I just, I know obviously it's supposed to be a little bit spoofy. You know, that's kind oh, of the point. Spoofy. That's a, yeah, it's entirely spoofy. <laughs> it's like Spaceballs for Star Trek, basically, you know. Yeah, but it's it's not as spoofy as a Spaceballs. And, no, know, no, not at all. A little more likable than Spaceballs, I think, as well, because of that reason. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure that a sequel would, would work, to be honest. It's been, but if they were to write, green light shoot whatever it would be 25 years at least since the original release everyone's older um alan rickman obviously isn't there anymore um a lot of those actors just don't have the same and i know this 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 obviously is is probably an, an issue that you've talked about and that you could talk about for hours they don't have the same pull at the box office anymore but even the likes of sigourney weaver it just doesn't doesn't have the same the same status anymore the only one would be the exception of Sam. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's career has gone amazingly well since then. Yeah, that's the exception. 
but he's also kind of carved himself out a bit of a um a bit of a low key niche really he doesn't really go for anything big i think he, you know obviously iron man 2 was the last I'm really thinking big more like uh three billboards in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, he was in a movie called the way way back which i absolutely loved yes he was great in way way back he's done a lot of really great films a lot of really amazing performances but you're right like it's still he's not he's not a household name i guess no, he's, he's not a Ryan Reynolds, is he? Ugh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so much better. He's so much better in lots of ways. Um, you know, Epping Wyoming or even Seven Psychopaths. Yes. He's, just, yeah, he's, cool. he's incredible. He's incredible. Uh, big fan. He's, he's great in everything he does, like hands down. Oh, yeah, and his character is great in Galaxy Quest, to be honest. He, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. I just love that line where they're saying, uh, we better get out of here before he gets killed. Yeah. Implying that none of them are in any danger at all, but just because he's the red shirt. The red but it's the funny red. now that he's the only one with a like a viable career, like in terms of like, <laughs> an actor. The rest of them like there's the guy from Monk. The guy from Monk is in it. Um yes. I can't remember Tony Shalhoub, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who who was big in the nineties, as were most of those actors, except for Sam Rockwell, who was just starting out, I think. But um yeah, so he's kind of the only one left with a career. Yeah, I mean Sigourney Weevil be back in the limelight once the Avatar sequels finally drop. But Yeah. I mean she she never leaves the like she's somewhat she is a household name. Sigourney Weaver is regardless of if she's still acting, she's reached a point now where people will always know who she is, I reckon. I would hope so anyway. Yeah. But I think she's similar to someone like Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, a, a big star of the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. who who now older. And again, I mean, we don't. I don't mean to touch on all of Hollywood's issues uh, in this one hour that we get to talk, but, <laughs> you know, their, their reluctance to actually cast anybody over the age of, well, over the age of 40, let alone over the age of 50 or 60, or give Unless them anything or yeah, unless, Judy Dench. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're doing a period piece and you're playing the old grandma, yeah, then you might get away with it. But which is a shame because um, both Jamie Lee Curtis and Sigourney Weaver are still terrific actors. So I wish they would be in more. But I, 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 I know Tim Allen likes it. Obviously, Toy Story has run its course for him. He's probably not going to get any more Toy Story Hopefully. voice work, which is a cushy job. But uh, I don't, I don't see this happening. To be honest. Mm. I doubt it would be a good idea, even though I, I loved the first movie. I think it is hard to recapture, especially with the way the Hollywood machine is these days. Uh, you know. And with that, we're on to round two. Mostly rotten. In this round, my guests have to guess the Rotten Tomato scores for various movies, and the closest guess wins the point. So, we're going to do the Taken trilogy. Seeing as we're on the, the Nissan theme. On the Nissan train. So, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, non-stop action. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Dan, would you like to give us the critics' score for the first Taken movie? Oh, yes. So, thinking back so long ago now, I mean, you two were, were, were mere whippets at the time when Taken was released. Take, Taken was 08. Um, Taken was 2008, was it? Okay, cool. Um, I think it, I think it got pretty well received. I seem to remember it being hovering around the the the, the lower four star mark. So I'm going to say I'm going to say a, a solid seventy five percent Rotten Tomatoes from a critic's perspective. Right. Okay, and Alex for you, the critic score. Um, 
I'm going to take a book from Charles, um, a leaf from Charles's book, and do, uh, what did you say, 75? <laughs> oh, the tactical voting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go 74. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, unfortunately, this has paid off for Alex. Uh, it is. The critic score is actually 59%. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess uh, as an overall, that's a solid three stars, just about. I feel like I feel like this is a movie that the critics blasted, but audiences actually really liked. That's the impression I get when I think back to this movie. Like the audiences thought it was great, but the critics weren't as happy with it. In that case, Alex, do you want to give us the audience score? Your guess. Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Wow. Now the question is: Do I reciprocate the filthy tactics, or do I? <laughs> but what, in which what, direction? What, that's the that's what, the thing. Which direction? Which that direction? Well, to be fair, you've gone pretty high there. What did you say? 87? 87. 87. I don't think it was quite that high. So I'm 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 gonna veer towards 86. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has paid off for you because it's 85%. Oh wow, that was close. Uh-huh. Wow. So you guys were both close. Uh, yeah. But I still I thought you had it there, Alex. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's just clarify I won that one. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's your point. Just want to make sure everyone knows it. Uh, you can give us the critic score for Taken 2. Okay, so Taken 2 is not as bad as Taken 3, but is significantly worse than Taken 1. Actually, no, I think Taken 3 was mildly better. Okay, I'm going to go for uh, a lofty 2%. 2%? For two? Yes. I'll clarify that, 0.2%. Okay, so uh, 2% for the critic score, Alex? Well, if I just say 3, then I, I feel like I've got <laughs> a huge chance here. Like, I have no oh, idea what the number is, but that kind of... What do you think they gave it? Oh, yeah, not 2. Um, I don't know if it's... Uh, to be honest, I don't think many actually, places... Can I, say, really I haven't actually seen 2. I've seen 1 and 3. And I specifically didn't watch two. Um, <laughs> I, I looked at it, I thought that looks awful. So, I mean, if this is actually two, I'm not going to be like, no way or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but I will be pretty surprised, but I won't be like gobsmacked. Um, I'm going to go with 15. 15. Oh, I think uh, you might well, It's actually 22%. Okay, all right. Yeah, I think that's still uh, at least 20% more than it should have got. <laughs> that, that is fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, Alex, do you want to give us the audience score then? What do you think they made of the sequel? The audience couldn't have liked it. Uh, maybe they did. I don't know. Um, but did, did they like it more than the critics is the, is the question, I guess. Mm. I think in general, probably. Uh, so if it was 20, do you say 22? Yes. I'm going to go 45. And Dan, what do you reckon? 45, that's that's fairly generous, to be honest. The one thing, it, we talked about um, an action sequences, and then you think to like James Bond and Bourne and all that, that quick cutting, fast flurry. I remember there's at least one, if not two, 
relatively long scenes of action sequences in this movie where you just have no idea what's going on. It's just a blur. You can't see anything. It's hideous, actually. Is this one of those ones where it's like, I don't I know that in the Bourne movies, they gave, they had a lot of like random handheld camera shots and stuff. I haven't seen this movie, so I don't know what it actually looks like, but do you mean it in that sense? Just yeah, very film? much so. Yeah, it very yeah. And, and really quick, really quick cuts. So there'll be, you know, a, a, a split, a split second um, of a fist, and then a split second of their head, and then a split second of a foot, and you just like this just doesn't make any sense. And and you know why they've done that because he's so old that it's yeah they they want him to be more, but he can't do it. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he just can't it's all do closely it. filmed. If you want a good laugh, look up Taken Three jumping over the fence. See. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I remember the scene. I do remember that scene. Yeah. It's about thirty cuts to get Liam Neeson over that fence. I it's remember amazing. that specifically, actually. Wow. Okay, I do remember that. Going, that's a lot of cuts. He's just jumping a fence. Yeah. That's funny. Uh that's so that that is. I mean, that basically tells you everything. So, I mean, so what did you say? You said forty-five, didn't you, Alex? Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna err on. Uh, the slightly lower side. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 35. Uh, well, it's actually 52. percent What? Really? Uh, yeah, another to Alex. Yeah, so the audience weren't quite as disproving as, as I mean. You guys. I haven't seen it, so I I assume that it's. I've never heard anything good, and I I watched a trailer, and it was actually the actor that they used for the villain as well. It was just like, of course you cast him. He's always your European villain. Like it was almost too, too obvious. obvious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like the actor, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. Well, they went, they went, they they turned sharply from the first Taken, which was a in this country. I'm not sure what the ratings are over in in Oz or, or in New Zealand, but it was a straight 18, the first movie, and it dealt with some really nasty themes actually, yeah. and it didn't hold back in a lot of that. The violence was 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 not quite you know the raid level of violence but it was definitely it wasn't it wasn't really the violence that was so jarring about it, it. It's, you know, it's the, yeah this you know uh prostitution and kidnapping industry yeah, it, in europe yeah it was a really gnarly film in that sense really gnarly and then they they obviously went hey guess what loads of teenagers are watching this movie why don't we make the next one a a, a teen rated movie and that way we can get even an even younger audience to watch it and make more money and so they made it a 12 which is not it's not even like dropping it to a 15 they put a significant amount of effort into making sure that you didn't see anything and it dealt with nothing of substance really and and then you just you just and you're left with a bit of a you know pardon the pun a, a damp squib of a movie yeah. um and it was just a bit of a mess so you know it's not it's not a surprise I, i'm surprised it got what did you say? Taken one was an audience score of fifty nine, eighty five. Oh, eighty five. Oh, it's the critics one. Okay, oh, that makes more sense to me. I was like fifty nine to fifty five. That doesn't seem. Mm. Yeah, that that makes more sense. I would say it's less than fifty five personally, but I guess you know some people like their action dumb and fun. Uh, okay, so Alex, you want to give us the critic score for Taken three? I do remember watching this one and it had the most transparent plot ever um, <clears throat> and the most, just the plot twist. It's like, we've introduced a character. He is the husband or something of this, of his wife, his ex-wife. You've made him look like a bad guy. Somehow he's going to end up being 
the bad guy, even though it doesn't make sense for him to be so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I reckon it was really bad. At least the critics would have said it was really bad. So probably um, 20? 20%. And for you, Dan, what do you reckon the critics thought? I mean, considering the last one was 22, but that being said, I kind of feel like it had taken its toll <laughs> by that point. Uh, and, and so I'm going to say 10. I'm going to go for 10%. Well, in that case, Dan, you're, you're the closest is 13%. Ooh, that's terrible. Yes, wow. not not well received at all. Maybe he should stop doing action movies. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe he should stop. So uh, what do you reckon for the audience score then, Dan? Audience score, again, I'm going to reckon it's it's lower. What was the last one? 55? 52. 52. Okay, let's go 42. 42 for Dan. Yeah. Good for you, Alex. Mm. I can't say 42 as well, can I? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Make your choice, Alex. Higher or lower? I reckon higher. I reckon higher, but I don't know how much. Would you say 42? Yeah, 42. The answer to the question life the universe, the universe and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um i hope it's 42 really now that now you brought it up um <laughs> i'm gonna go 45 well alex you've just stolen it away from dan it's actually 44 percent oh what 44 yeah mental no <laughs> we're pretty good at yeah. this game so oh. very close very close Yes, uh, no, you guys clearly have the knowledge to, to make accurate guesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with how I did, seeing I've only seen two of those movies. So Now for the final round, and we're back to... Movie news highlights of the week. Beautiful. Very nice. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start this round with Dan. So, Dan, for your first clue. Hey, Maggot. Which sequel is pending cast approval? Hey, Maggot. It better not be Full Metal Jacket. No. Did you say Hey, Maggot? Yes, I did. Hey, Maggot. Which sequel is pending cast approval? Oh, um, that'll be one of my favourite movies, actually. It'll be in my top 25. The film of many titles. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, etc. You are spot on. Yes. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow 2 will happen, they say, as soon as Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt approve the script. So it's all pending their approval. But yes, uh, Live, Die, Repeat is a much cooler title. Yeah. Otherwise known as Ed- Edge of Next Week. <laughs> Edge of Next Week, yes. <laughs> Do you know why I love that movie? There's just something satisfying about watching Tom Cruise die over and over and over and over and over again. I don't know what it was. But I just loved that movie. I, I I genuinely thought that was one of the one of the the best sci-fi movies of the last twenty years. Yeah, I thought um, I I could go on about it for 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 a long time. To be honest, it's it's incredible. One of the great things that I love about that movie, um, not to go off too much on a rant because you could keep me here for ages talking about this. I, I love the perspective changes in the film. So there's a there's a certain point where you realise 
you're watching from a certain perspective and your understanding of how this time travel is playing out is coming from one angle. And then all of a sudden you switch to something else. Um, and it's surprising. And, and there's, there's the groundhog day formula is something that has been done a couple of times recently. Um, some with greater success like Palm Springs, which came out last year. Um, and with this, it can get old if you, if you don't keep it fresh. And then as another point, probably another 30 minutes or so forwards where your perspective of, of this time traveling changes again. Um, and it's just really smart. It's a really, it's from start to finish It's a really clever movie. It's, it's shot incredibly well. Um, it's written, um, note perfect. And, and I absolutely love it. And it, genuinely one of my top 25 of all time actually i've watched it a, a number of times uh, i think it's yeah. i think it's incredible oh it, it, it's one of my go-to movies i mean I, a fun fact for you the first time i watched it was actually when i was living at your house when you were in hawaii Dan. oh really <laughs> yeah you snuck so, it off my dvd shelf yeah yeah i mean it's since then become one of my go-to action flicks uh, and it, it actually was the movie that got me back into tom cruise because uh, there's a while there where I kind of avoided anything with with him in it. <laughs> I wasn't a massive fan, and then it kind of rebooted yeah. my my idea of who he was. So mm. I, I love almost everything he's in. To be honest, I think he's a you know again we talk about Nicolas Cage underrated or overrated. I think a lot of times from an audience perspective, Tom Cruise as an actor is is underrated. Uh, we, he's maybe certainly at sixty years old not overrated in terms of his action, but he's definitely underrated in terms of his acting ability. Hmm. I think he's great. He's an interesting character. He, he obviously he's, he's a leading man. So he obviously has a certain amount of char charisma and charm that he can't get away from. But some of the older movies that he's done, things like Magnolia and Born on the 4th of July, you know, you, you could maybe bundle some of his characters into very similar categories, but there's actually a lot of depth to like characters in last samurai, for example, you know, and, and films yeah, like no, that. I do like Lost yeah. I do. That is definitely one of my top 25. Yeah. yeah, one of the things I love about Edge of Tomorrow is just the, obviously there's plenty of CGI, but the suits are all practical. Yeah. And and you can just really tell. It just makes such a difference with the action. Uh, I mean, you could say that about almost, well, all of Tom Cruise's movies, you know, like there's just, it elevates it so much by you know you, you go oh my goodness this is this is a superhero we're watching actually doing these things is yeah. yeah i remember watching mission impossible 4 at the movies and literally on the edge of my seat with that dubai scene like yeah when he looks out the window for the first time that's that was a there's very few moments when you're at the movies that are memorable one of them was definitely avatar but yeah, this one was like definitely one of them because like with that amazing shot showing all of Dubai from the top of that tower, yeah, that angle that he actually was there, you felt like you were going to fall while sitting on your chair. It was really, really amazing. It was incredible. Yeah, definitely. I agree. For Edge of Tomorrow, do you think it can be compared to Groundhog Day or is there no point? Because people often bring that up. They go, oh, it's just Groundhog Day, but sci-fi. I mean, it is, but that's not a bad thing. Groundhog Day is a, it was groundbreaking in terms of the like from what Dan said the idea of the ch using the same events but from different perspectives that's why it worked is because you got to see the same thing each time but shifting 
into different stories and angles and ways of viewing the same the same events um you know that groundhog day did that well and so did this movie and i don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing that it's a, you know it's a use of that formula but in science fiction in terms of a sequel once again i don't think it's necessary you know it was a good movie and sometimes good movies work best as standalone movies and i think this is my opinion is this is one of them like it works it concludes you know the 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 concept that he had the ability to you know to reset every time it would be silly almost if they did a sequel in which he regains this ability you know why would he regain this ability plot wise you know backtracking you know it's done and it was done well i don't think we always need to sequel fire everything yeah i think you have to do you have to do something different with it and take it in a in a slightly different direction i think the 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 issue that you come across with things like this in terms of sequels is the 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 hero's conundrum save the cheerleader save the world okay once you've saved the cheerleader and you've saved the world what do you do next and it's going to be nowhere near as thrilling or as interesting even if the drama might be different it's not going to be the same especially during a writer's strike it, well, well, yes, exactly. I mean, that that just killed it completely. But these yeah. types of sequels like this, okay, so, you know, that he literally, he lost his power, he saved the world, defeated the enemy. What more do you, what more can you do from that point? Um, I, I've not read the, the graphic novels that they're based on, so I don't know if there is sequel material there. It'll be interesting to, to read through and have an idea of, of where they might plan to take it. So, you know, I, I tread lightly in, in my anticipation of it. Um, I would definitely see it if it was released. But, you know, like you say, Alex, is it necessary? Uh, you can definitely argue potentially not. Hmm. Yeah. The the director, Doug Lyman, is keen uh, and has said that he wants a sequel to be more character-focused rather than just more explosions. A good question is, is that even possible, you know, with <laughs> a studio mandate? Yeah, you've got to be really careful then you don't leave audiences short as well of their expectations. You know, you've given them some, you can't do Sable Private Ryan 2 retirement. You know, it just <laughs> it doesn't work the same. Yeah. It's just them reminiscing about the event. Yeah, exactly. It's Private Ryan with PTSD. And that's not a fun yeah, that's well not that the first not that the movie itself was fun by any means, but like, <laughs> No, it's not, yeah. 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 It's it's just Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt in a room discussing the first movie. So oh, you remember that time yeah. we drinking drank heavily alien blood and uh, <laughs> yeah. It probably turns into they they actually have nothing to do with each other and then bump into each other. You remember that time that happened? It's like yes, we did not get into a relationship after that because that's all we had in common. We were fighting a war. <laughs> it was not a romance film. You know, like, <laughs> the sequels of rom com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I like the Speed sequel, because like the Speed movie, they actually Sandra Bullock says to Keanu Reeves, "We can't start a relationship after something like this. It never works." And then the sequel, she's not with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah. Sticks yeah. to her. Words. Um, not that not the Speed sequel was any good. That's the only reason I like the Speed sequel because of that one thing. But um, yeah. And with that, Alex is on fifteen points, and Dan has eleven, uh, oh. which means it's time for bonus points. To give Dan a chance to claw his way back to victory. These clues will be quick fire, so they're available to both my guests. First person in gets the points. 
So, clue number one. Which famous father figure celebrated his birthday this week? Ooh, famous father figure. Steve Martin, father of the bride. No, no. No, no, no. It was, a friend of mine has the same birthday as him, and he brought him up. Who is it? Hold on, hold on. Kevin Costner. Uh, No. Oh, really? 90th birthday this week. Oh, 90th? Yeah. 90th. It's an acting legend best known to general audiences for being the voice of both Darth Vader and Mufasa. James L. Jones. Oh, James L. Jones. James L. Jones. Point to you, Dan. Yes, no, James L. Jones celebrated his 90th birthday this past wow. week. Okay, so for our next item, your clue. Which actor is beyond keen to wear his cape once more? Uh, Keaton. Yes, another point to you, Dan. Michael Keaton is keen to return as the Batman. Batman. Mm. Um, Batman Beyond storyline features an old Bruce Wayne training a teenager to become the new Batman, and uh, which he is totally keen for. And uh, Keaton is also rumoured to appear in the upcoming Flash movie. Okay, and our final item this week. Alex, still on 15. Dan on 13 now. So I'll make this next clue worth three points. <laughs> oh, yes. Bring <laughs> so it back. All my hard work. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the all-important points Uh, which director knows that a PG rating would finish him and his movie Mortal Kombat, I'm not sure the director's name yes, you're quite right, the Mortal Kombat movie which was teased in the HBO Max trailer will not hold back on violence Uh, this will be Simon uh, McQuaid's debut feature Uh, and before we wrap up I want to ask you guys the question if you had the chance to adapt a game into a film as your directorial debut which game would you choose? Uh, and something that hasn't been adapted before. Oh, this is a tough one because my immediate thought is The Last of Us, but that's obviously currently going on in production at, at HBO um, as a show. And then my other one would be Uncharted, which is obviously already in production as well. Kind of the big two. I think Assassin's Creed could be redone again. So I'd probably I'd probably do one of the other Assassin's Creed games if I could. Or Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd lean more towards those. Something that's less cinematic in and of itself, because I feel like a lot of those games are already standalone films the way that they're made. I'd do something a little bit older. I'd do, I'm not sure if anyone's played some of the old LucasArts games, uh, Monkey Island, I would go for. Monkey <laughs> Island. Funny, old, and just quirky. It's basically what Pirates of the Caribbean was based on, but I reckon this would be, just because it's my childhood, I would I would watch that. Yes, and and as for myself, I actually would do an old PS3 game, Resistance Fall of Man. Oh, yeah, that would be a good one. Still one of my favourites, but I also would love to practically, with prosthetics, uh, make the aliens, and I think Mm. make a really great game. All three of them were great. Yeah. Uh, And that's it. So, final scores on the door. So, Alex made a valiant effort with 15 points. But it's, it's Dan this week who snatched victory. Uh, yes, finish him. Second today with 16 points. That's amazing. Congratulations, Dan. Well done, man. Well done. Uh, on your first appearance, uh, you've won yourself a true feeling of achievement for at least the next week. Yeah. Alex and Dan, was this a good week for the movie business? Do you reckon the news of this past week deserves the official seal of approval? I think the HBO Max trailer with all the uh, the interesting things that they're they're previewing 
uh, Mortal Kombat's got me excited. So I, I would say I would say yes. I'd give it a thumbs up. Uh, I'm I'm less I'm less inclined to do so. I feel like a lot of things we brought up weren't super high on my radar of films I'd be bothered to go see. Um, so I'm I'm going to lead towards a no, actually. Ooh, controversial. Yeah. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to give it a seal of approval, not necessarily because of the quality of the news and what it's got to be hyped for, but there's definitely reminding me of Galaxy Quest and, and movies such as that. Hmm. For our audience out there, what was your news highlight of the week? Did we cover it? Did you agree with anything we had to say at all? Let us know. And so thanks for joining me today, Dan and Alex, and for all of you out there. And we'll see all you next time. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Callum. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>